Hello, and welcome to the Streaming Wasteland, where we trudge through the wasteland of streaming services to find movies that are worth a damn. Uh, this week, we are taking on the Hulu exclusive No Exit. Uh, with me always is Ringo. Say hi, Ringo. Hey, what's up? And can you confirm that since the last time we talked, you and I have learned nothing about movies? Uh, what is a movie? I mean, honestly. <laughs> and we've definitely never seen No Exit before. I'd never heard of this movie until you sent it to me. Uh, I don't know how it came on your radar. Well, you asked me to go ahead and find a movie for this week and uh, Googling uh, mid-tier. And uh, Netflix has a shit ton of those, but I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to check Hulu. And the first thing that popped up was No Exit. Nice. Perfect. Then, uh, yeah, so neither one of us knew what the hell we were getting into, and we went into this movie blind. Uh, so No Exit was released in 2022. It was originally meant for theaters, but ended up direct to Hulu. Uh, it seems as though COVID had something to do with that, but I can't confirm or deny that. It has a runtime of one hour and 35 minutes. It is rated R for strong violence, language, and some drug content. Stars Hannah Rose Liu and Danny Ramirez. The plot of this movie is that Darby, played by Hannah Rose Liu, is a recovering drug addict who is forced to take shelter in a, what is it, visitor center? Is that what we agreed on? Yeah, it was a visitor, visitor center. Yeah, like a visitor center with a group of strangers as she goes outside searching for signal for her cell phone she discovers an abducted girl in a van in a parking lot she embarks on a terrifying mission to discover who among them is the kidnapper trigger warnings for stuff coming up there is both suicide and drug use kind of prevalent in this movie or not prevalent but mentioned quite a bit in this movie so if you're somebody who is sensitive to these topics please stop here turn back do not listen any further uh that being said spoilers for the movie no exit if you're planning on watching it, the bad guys, there's three of them, are in fact Ash, played by Danny Ramirez, uh, and then Sandy, who is a nurse. She is like the third accomplice. And what is the other bad guy's name? I already forgot. It, Lars. The other bad guys? Yeah, Lars. Lars, there we go. Lars is the obvious one. They kind of point that out. They, being the filmmakers, point that out to us pretty, pretty upfront. The other two are kind of like plot twists as they go along the way, and the situation drives from there, or devolves from there. We won't, uh, I'm not going to give the entire movie away, but uh, you should know enough now to know that it's got a nice, thrilling pace to it. But that being said, Ringo, what did you think of this movie? Uh, so ultimately, I thought this movie was, you know, like you said, better than Mile 22. And ultimately, I wasn't enraged at Marky Mark. I mean, I am enraged at Marky Mark, but that's for a different conversation. That being said, this one, I, I thought it was uh, pretty decent. I think that, you know, Dennis Haysbert probably should have been selling me, you know, insurance. <laughs> I'm kidding on that <laughs> one. I'm kidding on that one. I liked him. I thought he was I thought he was good in this movie, but I think that he was, you know, like you and I discussed a waste. Um, and I think that ultimately... Um, Havana Rose Lou, who played Darby. Hannah. Uh, I... Hannah Rose Lou, not Havana. Hannah, okay. I should probably know that. Uh, Han Hannah playing uh, playing Darby. I think that her acting was pretty good. I mean, I've, this is the first time I think I've seen her in anything. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I actually think that the acting was really good throughout the movie. Um, that's one of the things I expect when we look at these movies is that they're just going to be shoddily acted. but in this case, it seems as though uh, they got a really good crew together. Uh, I didn't have a problem with anybody's performance. My biggest issue 
if there is an issue with the characters is just in the way that they were characterized. I feel like everybody's a little one note, yeah. but that was that's kind of common in horror movies. So I can't really hold that against the story. I just don't like that. Like, you know, Oh, there's five people. One of them's our hero. And the other one, and somebody else is a kidnapper. I bet it's not the Marine or the retired nurse or the cute guy. It's the twitchy guy. Like that's the only kind of like issue I could take with this. But again, not that uncommon for horror movies and not every movie needs to try to quote unquote, subvert expectations. I completely agree with you. When I saw that Lars was like twitchy and didn't want to interact with people and was antisocial, I was like, oh, cool. They're going to go ahead and play it like he's the uh, the bad guy. And then something will happen where it'll be like, you know, maybe they'll flip the switch on me. And Ed, you know, Dennis Haysbert would be the the kidnapper. No, Ed, you know, Lars has revealed pretty early on that he's the kidnapper. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Uh, again, I like I said, if if there's any knock against the acting, it's because the characterizations they were given weren't weren't to my liking necessarily. Yeah. So something else I want to touch on. Uh, I want like I thought the pacing through this movie was actually pretty good. I saw some people talk about how it was like a snooze fest after the first forty five minutes, but I actually didn't feel that way. Like the whole time I found myself relatively engaged. They didn't linger too long. Um the movie starts with Darby and Rehab and it, they didn't linger too long on that. They didn't linger too long on like, you know, introducing these characters. They didn't linger too long on, you know, figuring out who the kidnapper was, who the second kidnapper was, who else is in on it. Uh it felt like each plot beat moved along at a good pace. You and I were discussing before the show, I think the one thing that we both missed was Sandy and Ed, their whole financial situation. Like, I'm not sure if we were meant to believe that, like, somebody stole their money or the bank lost their money or they invested it all in a scam. And also whether or not they had some sort of plan to get it back. But it's a super minor plot point that really doesn't affect much of the end outcome or even the setup for the for the movie. So... I don't know. I felt like it was actually really well paced for kind of a thriller style movie, and I found myself enjoying it. Uh, I completely agree with you on that, honestly. And like the only thing that I could I could think of is when um, Sandy goes, "We lost it all. We lost it all." I was like, "Did Ed gamble it away because he's a marine? Is that what we're leaning into?" Because I mean, fair enough, but you know, kind of maybe give us a little hint later, like earlier on, than like having a you know one conversation near the end right before ed takes a bullet yeah and then um the other thing i actually really enjoyed about this movie was i predicted the ending obviously didn't broadcast it because that's no point i'm not trying to prove anything to anybody but my thought was that oh she's a drug addict so we're gonna find out at the end of the whole thing that this was all a drug hallucination and she's in rehab and that was actually not the end of the movie and i kind of was like surprised by that i guess i don't i don't know like maybe it's not a great bar to clear kind of like uh saying something is better than mile 22 isn't like a high bar but uh also like potentially you know the idea that i don't predict the laziest possible ending uh and i'm surprised when it's not is is good but this movie ended well i i i don't know i saw some people uh, like some reviews after i watched the movie basically both complaining about the pacing and both uh, and the plot and I don't know. It was fine. Was it revolutionary? No. Did it like, you know, make me stop the movie and start thinking about life or anything? Not really, but it's a fun horror movie. Like I didn't, I didn't have any issues with most of that stuff. 
Yeah, I uh, completely agree with you on that. I think that it kept me like involved. It kept me, you know, going um, and wanting to go ahead and figure out what was going on. Because ultimately, I was like, you know, why is it that Ash and Lars are kidnapping uh, the character Jay? And then they explain, you know, we're we're gonna go ahead and get a shit ton of money for this. And then little by little, they're revealing information, and you're kind of like, oh, this is uh, this is not gonna be like an actual ransom they're gonna whoever they're taking this kid to is going to like sell this kid or some shit like that and you're kind of like okay cool so how is darby gonna go ahead and save the kid and it, i don't know I, I was interested in finding out how darby was gonna save the kid and i, I think that just kept me going yeah uh, i also liked that there was a second kidnapper that was that was just a nice like twist right that at like it's predictable in the sense that like it's never going to be that straightforward. If they reveal the bad guy to you the first 30 minutes in the movie, then you know that's not the actual bad guy. Um, unless you're watching like a James Bond movie or something like <laughs> that, because that's a different story altogether. But yeah, And actually, now that you mention that, I think that that played in really well, considering Darby had just been making out with Ash and went, Lars is a kidnapper. We need to do something about that. We need to tell Ed. And the next thing you know, Lars is like, ta-da, surprise. Right. I also like how she learned about it, right? From the little girl, she she frees her, and then she's like, "Where are the men?" And she's yeah. like, "The men." And you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Ed's gonna come out and like, you know, slam her head into the door, and then we're gonna have, you know." Yeah, you're in good hands. You know. <laughs> Just... <laughs> so yeah. Uh, also, I do appreciate how they implemented the game of bullshit. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Okay, yeah, no, I quite enjoyed that because we get the the start off where Ed is explaining that he's a gambler and he likes to go ahead and uh, gamble and he's pushing. He's like, hey, let's throw some money on a card game. And he's trying to get the whole entire group in. And uh, they finally convince Lars because Lars is like, I've got a game that everybody can play. It's called Bullshit. Um, you place down a card. You say what the card's name is. Someone else places a card on top. And they say what their their card is. It's either higher or lower. It doesn't matter. But the aim of the game is to catch people in a lie. So if like I put down a jack and I go uh, queen, and Greg over here goes bullshit, then I got to go ahead and pick up all the cards. And they keep that going throughout the whole entire movie, but in different ways. Yeah, the theme of calling bullshit is prevalent throughout the movie. I, I almost wonder, like, I didn't do too much research on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the script was originally called, like, calling bullshit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. It was a a nice element. It added to the suspense and thrill of the movie. Yeah, I agreed. It did. It allowed for us to go ahead and see both sides and going, well, they're lying, but are they going to figure it out? Are they and they're lying? Are they gonna figure it out? And then the next thing you know, uh, someone ends up with a nail in their forehead, and you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> yes, and that is a perfect segue to things we didn't like about this movie. This movie touches on two of my pet peeves from most horror movies and most action movies. But one of the things I can't stand is when people try to treat something like a gun that's not actually a gun. Nail guns are not guns. Nails are not bullets. And a major point throughout this movie is that the killers have one pistol that has one clip in it, which to the show's credit, I didn't count the exact bullets, but it does run out of ammunition. But they also had a nail gun and this nail gun apparently had like a full charge of fucking CO2 in it or whatever other gas they're using had the deadliest nails known to man. And they, people were being threatened with it as though it was an actual firearm. 
you can go look online right now and find videos of people shooting a nail at a cardboard box from 20 feet away and it not piercing the cardboard. This is not a lethal weapon. Nail guns are not guns. They're called guns because they have a trigger. But other than that, there is no gun aspect to it. They're not filled with powder. They're not shooting projectiles far. That's not the point of them. I will give the tiniest bit of credit. My first critique was, you know, that's not going to work as a weapon. It has a safety on it so that you have to press it against something. But then immediately Ash says, oh, well, I disabled the safety. So it fires like a real gun. And that's when I was like, oh, and this is going to be full of shit. Mm -hmm. No, I I completely agree with you on that. And I think that um, the... uh the horror film that we that we grew up with the one that like got everyone scared to like drive behind uh, lumber trucks cuz i can never remember what it is when i'm talking about it uh, final destination 2 final yeah final destination one of the one of the final destination movies they ended up using a nail gun to go ahead and kill someone and i think that that was the downfall of the nail gun um, cuz i mean it'd been used in other movies but uh, you know after that it's just everybody has to use a nail gun um, but yeah i think that you know, I have to agree with you on that. Every time I see someone go, oh, I'm going to use a nail gun to go ahead and kill the killer or the killer is using a nail gun to kill people and they're not pressing the, the nail gun up against their, like the body. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've watched videos where someone was like, okay, so look, nails are not aerodynamic. The second that they leave, they start tumbling and they lose all their momentum. Yeah, it was Final Destination 3. I, I looked right now, but yes, okay. it is. You're right. That is probably where a lot of these movies got the idea from, but it's still like, I mean, even in, I think lethal weapon two, Danny Glover uses a nail gun to kill somebody, but he's doing it at close range. Like this guy is fist fighting him and he shoots him through a tarp, like point blank in the head a few times Mm -hmm. that might do damage. Although I've seen x-rays of people with multiple nails in their skull that have lived. So again, I think that if you're looking for weapons, the big fucking wrenches and pipes and chunks of wood that seem to be in this rest stop, were probably much better options, even though they're not from a distance. You're a hit is guaranteed to kill. (laughs) You're much more likely to kill somebody with a wrench than a nail gun. I think that's why there's no nail gun in the game of clue. Right. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I completely agree with you. And also, you know, you, you mentioned the, uh, the CO2 or whatever compressed uh, gas they're using. I think that the other issue that they would have run into is when they put the nail gun down outside and it was out there for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two hours. We don't know how long time is in this, in this world. Uh, that gas is going to start getting compressed as it cools out. Yeah, very true. And it's not going to function very well, but yeah, no, I agree. The second they started using the nail gun, I was like, man, you just want Lars to die. Is that what's going on here? And then, like you said, you know, I, I disabled the trigger, the, the safety on it. So you'll be able to use it. Uh, cool. I mean, it did. It did give us one of like the best kills in in the movie, in my opinion. You know, that's just my my opinion. But, Which one was that? Oh, Lars dying. Yeah, when Lars died, when Lars took the nail to his forehead, and he's like, "I don't feel so good." Watch. Yeah, but even then, that was like almost a final destination ending, right? Yeah. Because he slips in blood, and then the nail drives into his skull. Yeah, it wasn't even the nail gun. It made me laugh. Yeah. But I mean, again, they would have actually done better with a hammer and a nail. Yeah. I will say, so there's a scene later in the movie where Darby gets her wrist nailed to the the wall by the nail. Oh God. That was both brutal and I, I don't know, accurate. I've never had my wrists nailed and nor have I ever nailed anybody's wrist to anything. So I, I guess I can't say, but it seemed right to me. I, 
I was going to say, you know, I used to I used to go to church, so I've heard some stories. <laughs> a little bit different. I don't think the Romans I don't think the Romans had pneumatic nails. <laughs> I had to, I'm sorry. I don't think Judas was stopping by the Home Depot. <laughs> no, that scene was good. Um I, I think that Darby played it really well and honestly, um the the fact that she tried to pull her her wrist off and you could see her face go red. I was like, "God damn." Yeah, but that kind of leads me to my other major gripe with this movie, and this is something, again, as somebody who watches a lot of trash action movies, I'm used to it, but I still don't like it. Our main hero had plot strength. Yes. So, for those keeping track at home, Darby starts the movie having been in detox for like 11 days. She breaks out of the facility she's in and steals a car, which she doesn't seem to take any any damage from. Her HP is still full. She goes to this place. She, she ends up in this center. At one point, she is slammed on the ground and uh, multiple times had her head bashed up against bathroom tile and then choked. Then she's taken outside, seemingly with no jacket. I don't think she was wearing her jacket in this scene. No. Uh, and then she throws herself down a hill to get away from the kidnappers. She the the movie makes a point of showing us that she hits a couple trees on the way down and that she's hurt from this. So she rolls far enough and fast enough to get hurt by trees that are in her way. Then she crawls her way through the snow again. No jacket, no like winter clothes on. She wasn't planning on going outside and building a snowman when she took this trip. She crawls her way back into the visitor center. Then later on, she. Uh, what gets maced right in the she gets like maced yep. right in the eyes yep. then she gets dragged over to the wall has her wrist nailed to it then she gets shot and like punched a few times afterwards before finally like being declared like the victor i guess like coming to the conclusion of her arc and then we see her alive at the end of the movie and that's kind of where i was like no unfact like mm-hmm. way too many points of damage taken here like there is like i get adrenaline oh also when she gets nailed to the wall she first tries to pull the nail out just by pulling her hand and then she uses a hammer to rip the nail out and that takes pressure and i'm assuming that she broke her wrist so she probably shouldn't have been able to use that hand but i don't know somebody out there could tell me if you can somehow remove a nail from yourself with a like in your wrist with a hammer without breaking your wrist. I don't know. There's, there might be a way to do it. It just didn't seem like it to me. Honestly, I don't care that much. I suppose it's like the minorest of issues, but as somebody who has both rolled down things and bonked their head several times, you're not doing a lot after that. You're not like a hundred percent. The adrenaline can help some. I've never been shot, but I assume that also really sucks. And while the adrenaline can help some, you're not making it through this. You're losing a lot of blood. You're freezing. You're, you're cold. You've had a couple of like, probably a light concussion, you know, not to mention the shock that your body is in from all the pain you've taken. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And then to add on top of like, so to get the nail out, she had to take the, uh, the drugs that she found in the car that she took. And we don't know what those drugs were for all we know. It could have just been like, you know, the ashes of that person's family member or something like that. Cause it was, it was great. It was great. It looked like ashes to me. Yeah. I guess they never explicitly say what drug it is, but I suppose it doesn't matter. Uh, I think we're meant to believe it's heroin, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. It could be co- uh, cocaine as well. Yeah. 
but yeah, those are those are my major gripes with the movie. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of plot armor in movies, and this movie really took it to the extreme. <laughs> what did you want to add on here? So I think that like Ed was underutilized uh, near the end. I mean, throughout the movie, I think that they used him well enough, but I think that that they, you know, brought Dennis in to to play Ed, and he just like you and I discussed. He he was kind of wasted in in this in this act here. He didn't do anything other than yell and barricade the door, and then he stood there, takes mm-hmm. around, and he's gone. That's it. There's no he doesn't do the thing that you get in like action films where like the person gets shot and they get the last you know they get to say their their last word or anything like that, or they fight the bad guy one last time to go ahead and help the hero survive. Mm-hmm. No, he's just he's just gone. And then Sandy takes takes a round and we don't even see her die she just takes the the first round she crawls over to ed and then she takes another round as it cuts to the next scene they had to save that blood budget for (laughs) for the end of the movie (laughs) to make sure lars would slip right but yeah like i i also like for how much they made him out to be like a marine and i'll die for other people and blah 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 he certainly didn't try to fight ash at all like he stood there like three feet from him and didn't make like one lunge at him i don't know again never been in that situation can't say what i do but it feels like his character should have tried to go for it well especially because they established early on that he was a uh a marine gunner that he had been to uh desert storm and then he got out well i don't remember if they exactly said what he like if he actually saw combat in desert storm but darby's father did mm-hmm. um and uh ed was like i'm sorry to hear that i know that that was a tough uh tough fight to go ahead and be in and um i you know i'm with you on this i i completely understand that so yeah honestly i think that ed probably you know i don't i don't know if he saw f- combat but he he was a marine that was trained to be deployed so Every Marine that I've ever known that was trained for deployment always itching to go ahead and like utilize the, the training that they got. So I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I think he would have jumped at the uh, the chance to go ahead and attack Ash when Ash like stopped looking at him for a second. Yeah. I also didn't care for the whole visor thing. I know you brought that up as well. <laughs> oh, God. Um yeah, so that's that's a pet peeve of mine is like the fact that everybody that breaks into a car, no matter whether it's an action film, a drama, a comedy, whatever, they always search the visor like as if we are in 1935 and everyone hides their keys on the visor because, well, nobody's going to break into my car. And then, you know, you find the magic tool that's going to go ahead and save you later on in the, in the film. In this case, it was the drugs that Darby took. And uh, Darby didn't even need keys to go ahead and utilize the the car. She just popped a screwdriver into the into the keyhole and turned it on that way. And the drugs are just a little side note for her that to use when she's got to go ahead and Hulk out to pull a nail out of her wrist. Yeah. And and that seriously, when she used the drugs, that's where I I started suspecting again. I was like, oh god damn it, this is all going to be a drug hallucination. You- but. To their credit, they avoided that. Yeah, that that actually didn't cross my mind, and I wish it had, because that would have made sense in that moment that she was she had broken out of rehab and just was on a binger. So when I see these little like tight place, very few people type movies, I think back to a movie called Identity, 
Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that, but it was, it's from like the two thousands. It's an okay movie, but it's one of the first movies I remember uh, where I was the one who got tricked by it. But the, the idea is that you're in a, like the cast is in a hotel with the killer. Mm -hmm. uh, And then it turns out to be like, they were all in this guy's mind in the mind of a killer, et cetera. Mm. And so it's like all his various different personalities. And so now when I see these little like tight knit, like the four of us are trapped in a lake for whatever reason, right. Then, I immediately assume like, oh, this is somebody's brain. This is somebody's mind. It's like my go-to. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. I I didn't think about that because I was like, well, you know, she it looks like she's really uh, dedicated towards saving this kid. And like thinking about it now that you point that out, that was this whole thing could have turned into a, a drug dream real fast. Yeah, well, I thought that's where they were they're going with it because uh, especially how dedicated she was to saving the kid I, she yeah. was like like this idea of like uh i know that one of the things they they teach you in like aa i don't know about na or other treatment programs but the idea of making amends right and yeah. so like maybe this was like gonna be some sort of like weird dream making amends to yourself uh and then we have that scene in the beginning at the rehab where she's talking to her other rehab buddy about like i've heard you tell this story so many times you know and so I thought that, you know, maybe we were getting in this idea of like, oh, it's history repeating itself or some sort of like whacked out story, you know, like she talks about how she's tried every kind of drug and et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, here we go. Right. Like, and then, you know, the other thing is like a lot of people call snow uh, or call cocaine snow. And so this Mm -hmm. blizzard snowstorm, I was like, oh, it's like some Coke dream, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they, like I said, they avoided all of that and uh, yeah, it, it ended up being better for it, I think. Yeah. So. Also, real quick, I, I now just thought of another uh, pet peeve, and mind you, I've never dealt with a family member that was, you know, in and out of rehab like how Darby was. Mm-hmm. I, I think that in the instance that my mom was in the hospital with uh, an aneurysm like how Darby's mom was, um, with my with my brother, if my brother was a drug, uh, you know, a, a druggie who had been in and out of, of rehab. Um, and I apologize. I, I don't know what the proper terminology would be for someone who's uh, an addict. There we go. Uh, uh, you know, if my brother was an addict um, and my mom was in the hospital with it, with an aneurysm, I think that I would have attempted to sign him out just so that he could say his goodbyes. Yeah. I, I mean, each family is different in that way. Yeah. I don't know. It's always hard for me to say uh, I am not a big like family person. So one of those things that a lot of movies do where it's like, Oh, but they're family that never affects me. I'm like, fuck them. You know, like I like my family fine, but if, if it came to light tomorrow that my brother had been a secret serial killer, I wouldn't be like, I can't believe it. It's family. I'd be like, Oh, well it turns out he was a fucking turd. <laughs> no, and I can, you know, I completely agree with you, you know, on that aspect. I just, I don't know. I think that if I have a family member that's dying, even if uh, I have a shitty family member, you know, I'd, lo- I'd I'd be willing to let them be able to say goodbye to that family member before they die. And then after that, I'm done with them because that, <laughs> that's my last obligation to that family member. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so let's move on to a wrap up here. Uh, I just have a couple minor little things that bothered me. They made a big deal about pointing out that Lars had a tell and that Ed had a tell and you'd have to figure it out. It, when they were playing the game of bullshit early mm-hmm. in the movie and it never came up again. I thought yeah. that was going to be a thing where it was just like, you know, like, Oh, he cleared his throat. He's lying. Get him. Uh, and then that never came up. Uh, and then I also don't like that in this 
universe of 2019, they just left people at this visitor center with nobody coming to check up on them. No like staff member or anything like that. Like I kind of thought that might be something like a plot point. Right. So like these kidnappers know that somebody's onto them and they know that the Rangers coming in like an hour. So we've only got X amount of time to figure this out. Like I was like, Oh, okay. But it never really materialized. The only cop that showed up showed up when nine one one text finally went through on a positive note. I did learn you can text nine one one. I don't know if that's a movie thing, but I had no idea you could do that. So uh, me neither. Uh, any minor notes for you? Minor notes for me. You know, just reiterating, I think that Lars's death was, was pristine. I think that Ash's death was pristine. I think that Darby should have died on that mountain. Um, yeah, and that's about all I've got for this. Awesome. Then, in your estimation, is this movie worthwhile? I think this is worth watching once. And then you're going to forget about it. Yeah, I also think that this is a fun Halloween movie. Again, unless you're bothered by drug use and or suicide. We haven't really talked about it, but there is a plot point in the show about how Darby's dad killed himself. It's a PTSD thing. It has to do with suicide. So if that's something that bothers you, it comes up a few different times in the show. And uh, especially suicide by gun. Like If that is something that, that is an issue, don't watch this movie because it com- comes up quite a bit. Uh, but otherwise, it's a fun Halloween movie. I might throw it on this year at Halloween just as a, like, oh, yeah. But otherwise, it, it didn't stick with me. Like, I didn't find myself thinking about this movie for, like, hours afterwards. And mm-hmm. I probably won't think about it much after I'm done editing this episode. Yeah, well, uh, at the end of the day, uh, when October comes around, you and I will probably have forgotten about this movie, throw it back on, and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's funny because like that's almost the point of this podcast. Is this movie to make you go, "Oh yeah," like is this any good? <laughs> Except we're finding out why. So long as we don't do another podcast on this movie, going, have we done a podcast on this movie yet? I say like next March thirtieth, we should do another episode on this movie. Just do it again. Like, this time we're watching <laughs> no it. <laughs> All right, setting my calendar now. <laughs> All right, folks, that's all from us. Uh, Tune in next time when we talk about another movie that you might have heard of but probably didn't see. All right.